Welcome to the Wild Health Podcast, I'm Wendy John. 18 years ago, the CSIRO showed significant strategic foresight, not surprised about that, and they held an e-health research colloquium, a get-together of digital health experts from their e-health research centre, along with collaborators and partners and some of the world's best e-health experts. It's become an annual event, and this year one of the topics was presented by Georgina Chelberg from the CSIRO Indigenous e-health research centre. Georgina is a member of the CSIRO team who were invited by the Tunganjiri Council in Alice Springs to work with them on a digital health solution for a hot issue they're dealing with. On the back of that and a lot of other research, the Indigenous eHealth Research Centre is developing a best practice guide for digital design with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. There's a lot to learn about how to do things better and it's all rooted in authenticity. How does that work in our binary world of zeros and ones? Let's find out. Welcome to Wild Health, Georgina Chelberg. Thank you, Wendy. It's great to be here. We'd like to start this podcast with an acknowledgement of country. Okay, so I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands where I'm learning and researching, and that is the, the lands of the Turrbal, Yagara, Jagara and Kondamuka peoples of Mianjin and surrounds and pay my respects to their elders past, present and all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people listening today. I'm grateful for the generosity of time, wisdom and friendship shared by many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with me on my journey. I'm dialing in from Gadigal country of the Aora Nation and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging of this land unceded and also pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Georgina, could you tell us about your research in best design practices for digital health with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples? Yeah, so look, I'm doing a PhD and that is through the University of Queensland, but I've also spent probably the majority of my time at CSIRO in our eHealth Research Centre. And I'm part of a team led by Dr. Ray Marnie, who's an Indigenous scientist, and we have the opportunity to look at the way digital health may be relevant and whether it's feasible with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, so in different settings and working in partnership with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community-controlled organisations. What are some of the personal ethical considerations that you get exposed to in your research? Yeah, so reflecting on my own journey as a non-Indigenous person, you know, ever grateful to be invited into the spaces to work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It's been a real opportunity for me in learning and growth has challenged my position and, you know, some of my beliefs and assumptions about health and my, my contribution to public health. So, you know, I acknowledge my privilege, my unearned opportunities in education and, and life and healthcare and have come to experience some of the ways in which historical and contemporary issues of racism and colonisation have impacted Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. In that process, I commit to that lifelong learning journey of cultural safety. And for me, that is right up front, is being led by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the research that we do. So the agendas and the priorities are led by community 
I'm always learning and looking for that opportunity to see that the research we do is strength-based and it comes out of the strengths and priorities and wisdom of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Thank you so much for sharing that, the approach that you are coming from. It sounds like it's fundamental, it's critical to the work that is being done. Australia has a, has a history of Aboriginal-led community health outcomes significantly better than other health outcomes for those communities. How do we incorporate that into digital health? So as I mentioned, our work, we have partnered with quite a number of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community-controlled organisations. Many of those are community-controlled health organisations, which have run, you know, they're the best healthcare mm. for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people because it's led by the community. Their models of care reflect their holistic and dynamic and community-based view of health Mm. so you know starting from the beginning is is the way you know the differences between a western derived framework of health of you know the biomedical model in contrast to a concept of health that is dynamic holistic and connected up so when we look at doing digital health we need to have that in mind we can't just take a western derived health product and principles and just transfer it across to an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander setting. And try and bolt on a bit of cultural safety. Yeah, that's right. And that's, Mm. you know, that's the sort of thing that we're trying to move away from. And to do that properly, it requires authentic partnerships. So as I mentioned, I work in a team led by Dr. Marnie and another colleague of mine, Andrew, Mr. Andrew Goodman, together they have this, um, I guess, philosophy that there needs to be relationships before partnerships. That is not necessarily feasible or ethical within common funding systems. It takes time and commitment early to build those relationships and to build trust that the work you're doing is actually addressing community priorities, not the priorities of the researchers. So that's really at the core of how we look at supporting Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander health through digital means. What are some of the common pitfalls? Yeah, so, you know, in some of the literature reviews and work that we're doing, we note that many health interventions generally, but specifically around digital health, the studies can be quite brief and they may just be a one-off e-health sort of intervention that has, you know, mixed results of engagement or loss to follow-up and therefore has low-grade evidence. So you end up with a product that's not necessarily sustainable and finishes after that funding round and you know that without that sort of ongoing relationship yeah it doesn't do much to build trust either yeah yeah which are uh, you know is a concern for research with aboriginal and torres strait islander people more widely is that research is a dirty word because people do you know come and get what they want and then disappear again but yeah, and then take the credit for the research as yeah, well, if that's they've done right. something great as, as yeah. opposed to looking at that ongoing uh, authentic partnership. So what does authentic partnership look like? I mean, who, who would, I mean, it's a very Western concept to say who measures it and by what standards, but mm-hmm. how do we know that it's actually happening? Well, I think it really just relates to what I said before, you know, this 
concept of the relationships before partnerships, which takes time. And look, I don't know that you can measure it in a sort of traditional sense, but I think it's working together and in working together, you face hurdles and challenges. And I can talk a little bit about this with one of the projects we're doing in Central Australia, but navigating those issues together and, you know, reflecting on some of the research we've done, look, we'll probably try and do that a little bit differently, but always sort of checking back in that the research we're doing is of meaning and of relevance and benefit to the community that you're working with. And and those sort of feedback cycles, I think that that's really important because you're continuing the relationship and reflecting back to community, the findings, the impacts, and, you know, where we go from here. Could you tell us a little bit more about the project with the Tungandjeri Council in Alice Springs? So this is a project that was led by Tungandjeri, the council, the Aboriginal corporation based in Alice Springs, which cares for residents living in town camps around Alice Springs. And the project was prompted by concern of the residents about suitability of the housing in response to changes of climate and health impacts of housing and changing climate and some of those issues around the social determinants of living. So Tungandjeri actually approached CSIRO to help them assist in collecting some empirical evidence of the housing conditions and the temperature and humidity conditions. So... um, Was that sensor-based? Yes. Yeah, so CSRO has a, a platform called the Smarter Safer Homes platform, which was designed to support independent living for older persons who wish to remain living at home. And so what we've done is actually repurposed that technology and installed it in houses to collect temperature and humidity data. So it records that hourly And then it's stored in the cloud, but what we're doing is currently a 12-month trial to collect that evidence about the temperature and humidity in the houses in comparison to the, also to the external environment. What are you finding? The stimulus for the, as I said, the project was by the residents of the community who then, you know, as part of their community-controlled council Uh, raise the concern. So some predictions for high temperatures that were made for the year 2030 were actually experienced in the summer of 2018-2019. So this was um, like the prediction was a certain number of days over 35 degrees and then a certain number of days over 40 degrees. So that was already surpassed 10 years ahead of what had been predicted. And when you combine that with the the challenges that residents face around power sustainability. So the prepaid power meters that are installed in the houses for a number of reasons. If the bill is not prepaid, there's no power. So there are power outages uh, very common in houses in the town camps. And this can be, you know, up to six plus hours before the power is restored. And in in those conditions, you can imagine without power, there's no fridge to store medicines or food. There's significant health impacts. There's no, yeah, showers. Um, 
So this is the context in which, you know, we're working and this is why it's just as we discussed before, that authentic partnership is we were invited into that space. The person leading the project is Mr. Michael Clark and we work closely with him and his research team, which includes Vanessa Davies, Alison Wright. And so it's very much led by them on the ground. They did the installs of the sensors and we, we sort of keep working with them as to troubleshooting um, barriers that we've had with the project, but also in the findings. So we certainly found that in several of the houses, the temperatures are uncomfortably hot and uncomfortably cold when it's cold so mm. that the, the houses are not suitable for the conditions that that people are living in. And in that project, how have your ideas around best practice for digital health design evolved? This is one project, I guess, as I said before, that the eHealth Research Centre is involved in with the Indigenous research team. And in this case, the digital health system that was installed is for a slightly different purpose. Um, In other projects, we have... Mr. Andrew Goodman, who's doing some research around an app to support the management of hypertension with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and that's through several of the community-controlled health organisations. So the idea of the best practice has come out of the various projects we're doing, the literature that, you know, that we've drawn from has shown there really is a lack of a, a sort of a framework or a guide for people doing this kind of work when they're looking at working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So this is a current area of work for our team and over the next 12 to 18 months we're in the process of developing a best practice framework. So not like a checklist that you must do this if you're doing digital health with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people but more as a guide to inform that cultural safety. So we're drawing on literature, we're drawing on the stakeholders of the projects that we're working with. We're doing planning Delphi processes to get um, expert input into what's important to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the way that digital health is developed and trialled mm. and evaluated so that we get it right in yeah. terms of community priorities and that sustainability to projects. What's at stake here? Well, when we don't get it right, it's the continuing health inequities experienced by individuals and communities. So we speak about, you know, the social determinants of health and the, the disadvantage um, caused by policies and governance that's that's embedded with racism. And when we don't address that authentically, in the way that we do our research, the health of people continues to suffer because the interventions lack longevity, the funding cycle ends and, and the researchers disappear with a publication mm. <laughs> to their name. So, you know, it's it's that further disadvantage to community and the mistrust which flows on to further poor health outcomes. How important is this to the CSIRO? Yeah, so our eHealth Research Centre within CSRO, the vision is to drive digital transformation of healthcare and therefore improve services and 
clinical treatments for people in Australia, but I guess beyond into the world. But CSIRO is also very committed to working and reconciling with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We have, as I said, a team here in the eHealth Research Centre um, of several PhD students, um, some postdoc work and resources around the different projects that we're working on and a commitment to doing the research in like as we've spoken about in that authentic partnership approach. Thank you so much Georgina for those insights. I really look forward to seeing the CSIRO guidelines or guide around doing digital health better for and with First Nations communities and I think that any agency or vendor worth their salt should be absolutely keen to get their hands on that as well. But in the meantime, the research that you're doing is, is really informing and helping expand our thinking around how to do digital health better, full stop. Thanks again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to share some of the research I'm involved in and the really great team of people that I work with here. We appreciate it. That was Georgina Chelberg from CSIRO's eHealth Research Centre. I'm Wendy John. Thanks for joining me for the Wild Health Podcast. But if you'd like to join us live, be in Melbourne on the 18th of October because we are digging deep at the next Wild Health Summit. If you want digital health reform, then you're probably going to want to be there live or online. The theme is a framework for action and alignment. We're in a post-COVID world with a new federal government full of ideas and energy leading the way. Have the planets finally aligned? Can Australia push through on digital health reforms hand in hand with a fully connected digital infrastructure? You can see the full agenda and speakers and register to join by going online to wildhealth.net.au. Hope to see you there. You can also keep up to date with all the latest news and views about digital health check out wildhealth.net.au where you can subscribe to our newsletter. We've got our finger on the pulse of what's happening in Australia and we love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in.